Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Cavalry Audio. I'm Clint Emerson, and welcome to season two of Can You Survive This Podcast, where the interview is just as dangerous as the scenarios I put my guests through. From hostage situations to natural disasters, carjackings, active shooters, and more, if you're looking for the skills necessary to survive these situations, then this is the show for you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Can You Survive? This podcast where we victimize our victims with crazy scenarios and dangerous interviews. Today, I have a guy who is in his 20th full season in NASCAR Cup Series, third with Chip Ganassi Racing, driving the number one Chevrolet, 2004 Cup champion, and has won 33 times in NASCAR's premier division, including wins in Daytona 500 and Coca-Cola 600. He is a five-time winner in the Xfinity Series, and has four wins in the Camping World Truck Series. Kurt Busch, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I I appreciate that introduction. Um, Yeah, I've checked a lot of boxes off, you know, in the NASCAR (laughs) world, but I'm ready to check off these boxes here, too. What do you got for me? Well, you know, we uh, we get a little kooky. It's nothing crazy, but it's just fun. Uh, We're going to roll into this little rapid fire and see how you do. So uh, are you ready? I'm ready. Thank you again. No, appreciate you having me on. Um, you know, our team was like, Hey, we've got this podcast and it's like, can you survive it? I'm like, what are you talking about? Let's roll. (laughs) So no, no, no qualms and no worries about volunteering for this. Let's see how it goes though. No, I appreciate you coming on board, man. It's uh, it's really cool. You're probably one of the coolest guys so far. I'd put you on top uh, ahead of like Rob O'Neill. You're definitely cooler than him. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So kicking it off, here we go. Simulator right. or racetrack? Racetrack. Racetrack. Yeah, I figured. Uh, okay. Shake or bake? Ah, <laughs> uh, bake. <laughs> All right. I think I know the answer to this one. We're just getting warmed up, by the way. Ford or Chevy? <laughs> um, non-disclosed. <laughs> if, you, if you had a moment where you had to say a bad word, would it be, Fuck or shit fuck <laughs> yeah that's what i thought that just rolls off the tongue so much easier. <laughs> all right bad press or good press i love good press usually <laughs> yeah but bad press can do wonders for you right <laughs> i heard that early on i still don't like it <laughs> yeah all right ass or boobs oh um i I'm a waste guy. Waste. Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll circle back around right. to that one. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go boobs then. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, golf or hunt. Ooh, that one's, that one's 50, 50. We're going to have to circle back around on that to use your word. All right. 
Uh, a side-by-side or a motorcycle? Side-by-side. Uh, yeah. All right. Fly or drive? Drive. Outlaw or lawmaker? Outlaw. 556 five, or 762? I don't know if those are area codes or like Ferrari numbers <laughs> or different <laughs> cars. Uh, no, no, uh, no decision. They are, they're, they're basically just NATO rounds. I figure maybe if you're a hunter, five, five, six is equivalent to a two, two, three round, seven, six, two hunter. Okay. We'll skip it. That's gotcha. okay. So you might be pushing me towards golf then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. And then, uh, this one you'll love. Okay. Kurt or Kyle? Kurt. <laughs> I right. even ask. Yeah. All right. Let's circle back around to the wise. Okay. So that wasn't too bad, right? No, not at all. That was good. All I right. like it. Hang on. So I got something for you. Yeah. Is this like a, is this intermission? Yeah, sure. Right. We'll take a little yeah. break for a, for yeah, a, yeah. a sponsor plug. I had to get that. <laughs> yeah. Now, how many of those do you have to drink a day? I don't have to drink any of them, but I, I love them and I, you got to work it through the system. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. yeah. You do have the, uh, I would say the combination of colors. Uh, I mean, I was going to ask this later on, but, uh, a blacked out vehicle, right. NASCAR, obviously a race car with that monster logo is definitely one of the coolest cars on the track. No doubt about it. No, thank you. I, the main people that run the program, I, are the coolest people and they're like family. And yeah. if I request a change or the team's looking at doing something different with the car, Monster's like, no, we're here to keep it clean, keep it simple, run it this way. Flat yeah. block, the logo. I'm like, all right, I got you. Yeah, it's badass. Um, okay, so uh, while you're doing your Monster, I got my coffee over here, so, you know. I need to I'll send you some Monsters. All right. Hell yeah. I drink, hell, those are like my go-to definitely for road trips. Like you need to stay awake. I go with the white can the sh with the no sugar. That I love those. They're awesome. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. I'm a monster fan too. Just not cool enough to have them as a sponsor. All right. So simulator versus racetrack. Uh, you picked racetrack. Let, talk us through that. So, I mean, there, there's two things going on. Um, there's me being a veteran in the sport of NASCAR and knowing what it takes to win with tire drop-off, tire degradation, and the slip angle of how I drive, right? Yeah. In the simulators, they're not there yet. Like in the sim, they plug in a, a grip level or iRacing. There's a grip level, and you're driving it, and you're going, man, this makes no sense to me. But then there's like, oh, wait, a competition. I'm going to go drive and race against these guys in iRacing. Or in the sim, they now have a ghost car that you can chase down. And it's still not there. Uh, for me, I'm an old school guy and I love racing. And it's about the, the tires, the draft, and things you have to do to win a real race. Got it. And so when you talk about the tires, we know that tires are obviously very important. Um but you're saying basically a simulator doesn't account for any tire loss or the environment or what's going on between the rubber and where it meets the road, right? It, it's getting better. I didn't say it's not at all accurate. Yeah. What 
saying is it's not the real car uh, tire pressure buildup, heat and, and sensitivity to track temp and the car. Like there's a lot that goes in to being the top level professional. Yeah. And I, I don't want to get too much into all that. It's just sim, sim stuff is important, but that's why I chose racetrack because that's still where you went. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. It makes sense to me. I mean, for us, we have a lot of, in the SEAL teams, we have all kinds of stuff that uh, simulates bad guys, but yeah. there's nothing, there's nothing better than shooting a real bad guy. So I totally get it. <laughs> oh yeah. Or they come in off the top ropes and you're like, yeah, I've seen this before, but whoa, this is a little different. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, next one was shake versus bake. Of course you got to throw in, you know, some Will Ferrell stuff. So you picked bake. Um, any, any reason behind that or just a, just an answer. No, I, I saw you on the, the shake and bake. Um, <laughs> why I'm on this podcast to survive it is yeah. I love my wife and she loves to bake. So <laughs> there you I'm go. help her bake, you know, like the shake. Okay. I get it. That's more of a martini yeah. or, you know, a twerking, but for bake, um, I, I respect my wife and, and the cooking that she does. So I like that. There we go. What's the favorite? What's your favorite? What is she? What is she? What's her number one bake? She throws down this sticky chicken, uh, like the spices on it. And like, it takes 20 minutes. Uh, of course it's got butter. I mean, who doesn't love butter? Hell yeah. And go. then, uh, I'm, I'm nailing out the, uh, the garlic bread on the, on the side and, uh, we do sticky chicken together. Nice. That's awesome. And yeah, butter i mean that's that's keto man right you're allowed to do as much butter as you want a keto diet <laughs> and you gotta do the spice you gotta have extra spice all right there you go that's awesome all right you went undisclosed with ford versus chevy but uh i mean you do drive the number one chevy right so yes sir what, what are your thoughts on just american cars versus foreign all right so let me take you down um this road it won't take too long i've won a <laughs> bunch of races with ford uh, yeah. I've won a bunch of races with Chevy. Right. Uh, I've won a bunch of races with Dodge, you know, like the big three out of Detroit. Uh, I signed a new contract in, in the future with Toyota. Uh, I've got German oh. cars in the garage. Uh, I've got Italian cars. Um, you know, Hey, I'm a lover of all cars. If it's like a mean breathing fun something different style car. So whether it's got a turbo on it, supercharger, rumbling V8. Uh, it, and then my first car, let me bring it back. 1964 Volkswagen bug, like 40 horsepower. <laughs> this thing wouldn't get out of its own way. Like I love all cars. And so that's why I'm undisclosed. Yeah. And I've had a bunch of different contracts with different teams over the years in NASCAR. Of course. And I, I think too, um, I think you might agree is like you, for us, you pick a weapon for the mission, you know, the mission, the mission dictates it. Right. So what, whatever it is you're going to go do to have fun, then you pick the car based on what you're going to go do. Right. So you're not going to, uh, you're not going to take a Ferrari uh, and drive it on the beach. Well, you know, maybe you do, but, 
most people wouldn't. They would pick a side-by-side or something else, a little more fun or designed for that environment, right? So kind of goes hand in hand. You got to have a selection of, of toys that match all the different environments you could potentially go into. And I've been lucky. I'm almost like 007 where I got a support team that knows what I'm going to need next because yeah. I'm going to ditch that or need that. And then I got to go to this. Nice. <laughs> He usually picks, uh, what does he pick? He's always picking Aston Martins and Triumph motorcycles, right? Which, are, which isn't a bad that, deal that, either. That, this seems like sponsor money to me. You know? <laughs> it does. Right there with the Omega watch. Um, all right. So we went fuck or shit. And yeah, yeah, you went with fuck. I just, uh, yeah, I think that one rolls off the tongue. So much uh, sweeter, right? I've learned over the years, you know, my, my radio chatter at NASCAR was, was probably not acceptable or <laughs> technically it was not acceptable. I mean, it was like, fuck, you know, like it's so easy to say it. And that was then. And now, now is now. Right. Yeah. And so I work through my races now. And if there's that one moment where we're running 15th, and the team has known that I've just dealt with an hour and a half of, of shit. And I hadn't said anything on the radio for a while. I'm just going to throw down like, and man, that pit stop was. And then like something else was over here. I'm like, fuck, you know, like you got to get that one, that one, one out. Now that's me. <laughs> that's 43 year old Kurt Bush. And here's, here's where I'm going to finish this up. I got the best finish for all this. Yeah. My wife who bakes really well. I love her. <laughs> She's fabulous. Her best saying is for fuck's sake. Like, oh, yeah. she, she'll just rattle off of for fuck's sake. I'm like, what, what happened? You know, she's looking at her phone or an email come in. I was just like, for fuck's sake. And yeah. So that, that one now, <laughs> like, okay, if she uses it, that, that works. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. Now, as I, I, obviously, if you keep up with, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a huge NASCAR for, person. I'll admit that, but I do watch it enough to know or hear some of the headlines. And I guess your brother had a little bit of a shit fest, according to uh, what I read. And he had a, uh, he had a little bit of a moment, right? What was any details on that? Uh, so you're pretty vague. Um, he has a lot of moments each week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's I don't fair. know where it was, but yeah, he's, he's been over here, over there. He has this, his shit moments and his, and his, yeah. his fucking moments. Yeah. Yeah. I was reading is basically, he kind of went off and, uh, shit was the word that he chose. And, uh, and the funny part oh, of the article. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. He gave a post race interview. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't Bristol? It was the race before. Yeah, he's like, oh, car was shit. We drove like shit. Uh, pit crew yeah. was shit, and everything was shit. And yet he's still in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it was up in Washington, and he um, the the part that caught my attention was the fact that uh, like a colon colon recti, rectal something doctor or something decided to throw sponsorship money or uh, something to that effect uh, because he said shit so many times. And they were like, yeah, we love guys that say that. Oh, my gosh. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny. More with NASCAR badass Kurt Busch after the break. 
All right, so we got uh, bad press. This kind of goes right. Yeah, this this works well. Good transition. Bad press versus good press. You just felt that, right? You felt (laughs) that. Look at that. How that worked out. Um, Yeah, sometimes bad press is not good press. You know, you want to be doing good things. Yeah. What is? Do you have a more memorable or maybe uh, embarrassing bad press moment that you're like, damn? So the one that set the tone for me that I didn't even try to do. Yeah. I got wrecked at Indianapolis by this veteran driver and I jumped out of the car, you know, I'm 23 years old and I had just come from short track racing, short track racing. When you wreck somebody, the, the officials and the flagmen, they, they point to the rear end, they pat their, their rear and they say you to the back, you know, you got to go to the back of the pack because we called you out black flag. So I got wrecked by a veteran and I jump out of the car and I'm like, you back of the pack to the other driver. This is national television, (laughs) tens of millions of viewers. They don't know regular short track racing. I don't know that. Like, no, it's like, I just told the guy to go to the back. They're like, Oh, that was kiss my ass. I'm like, no, not, not, not one percent of that was telling that driver to kiss my ass that that's <laughs> some bad good press right there oh uh, yeah yeah i gotcha now now that's kind of a that's a protocol kind of etiquette thing in 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 your world are there any other like unknowns like that that you learned over the years like oh i didn't know that that meant that once you switch in switch in and out of, like you say from short track to something different uh, i mean there's there's a lot of small things uh, it's hard to like jump back to short track and, and the beginning of, of cup, uh, cup levels, you know, like top series yeah. level to think about it all. I mean, I got the middle finger from Dale Earnhardt senior and you know, like he passed away 20 years ago and I still get to hear about it. It's like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. I was the last guy he gave uh, the finger to you're going to interview the other 1,999 that, that went through it too. Yeah, well, I'd yeah, say that's an honor and a cool. privilege, right? It's all part of it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good stuff. Um, all right, so we went. I, I gave you butter boobs, and uh, you went waste, and then you kind of defaulted north to boobs. Yeah, no, it's it's all <laughs> there, man. Yeah, I guess I would. I run and see it from the back. It's there every every moment. That's right. Right. And, I would uh, I would definitely dig further if you weren't married if you're just a single guy but I'll I'll just stop there so we don't uh, disrespect the wife. <laughs> uh, she's she's got a bathing suit line. It's called Monarch Rain. Uh, everybody should check it out. It's on uh, Insta and Facebook. Monarch there Rain. There you go. I, I Monarch see Rain. There you go. Now we can talk about it. Okay. <laughs> so you can support the little waist and get get the tops. Yeah, it's it's meant for for girls that, that, um, want to just be themselves and, and to be one that reigns and Monarch was chosen because Monarch is a leader. Yeah. I like it. That's good branding. We'll put it out there. Maybe I'll, uh, we'll post some, some solid pictures from that world. You see how I'm surviving this, this podcast. You, know? <laughs> you sound like a well-trained man. That's, that's for sure. <laughs> Maybe you've, uh, maybe you're like me. You've learned from your mistakes. Um, that works. Yes, sir. <laughs> all right. Golf hunt. 
Which one do we default to? I think we were circling back around. That was a tough one for you. It it is because I still do both. Yeah. Um, when I first came to the Carolinas, I met a guy and uh, he took me, and he says, uh, "Hey, we're going to go whitetail deer hunting." I'm like, "All right, cool." And he hands me this uh, this apparatus. I had no idea what it was, and it's a, a climbing stand. So it's a backpack you put on and you climb a tree mm-hmm. and it's because you scouted where you were going to go and hunt based off of wind angle, you know, the poop that you saw, the, the whole ordeal, scrapes and rubs. Yeah. I'm like, all right, I love this. And I love that I met that guy to teach me about hunting early on. And over the years it ramped up and it got to this level, that level, uh, now I've been in a ground blind with a bow and nailed a deer. Uh, that was the best moment where I felt like I mastered hunting Yeah. to have my clothing hang outside for three days straight and to miss and to come back and to get up early, to be in the blind and to be there. Uh, I feel like I've accomplished a lot in hunting, uh, mainly whitetail. I shot turkeys. Uh, I've been to New Zealand and got a red stag. Um, I think my last finish uh, was uh, was an elk in um, New Mexico. And then when I met my wife, she goes, wow, what's up? What are all these mounts? And I'm like, oh, oh, I get it. I kind of need to move these over to the race shop. And I played golf, you know, like I taught myself when I was 18 years old. I know I might've just switched right there, but for me, just being outdoors, just being outdoors and and being with people and being in in, with green grass and and being in in the woods and nature. That's where my golf ball usually ends up is in the woods. Uh, (laughs) It's just nice to be outside. So I just like golfing at nice places and I haven't hunted in a while. My last hunt was probably um, uh, taking a friend of mine's son, to the panhandle of Florida to, to go for an Osceola Turkey. That was probably my last time. Nice. Now, is there a, uh, in the hunting world, you do it enough to where you get that one favorite piece of gear. Do you have a favorite kind of piece of gear that you're like, man, I, I'm always taking this with me. It could be, a, you know, for me, it's always like my feet. It's like a set of shoes or the boots that I wear tend to be like that common denominator thing that I'm like, oh yeah, that I'm packing first. Cause I don't, I definitely don't want to leave it behind. Do you have anything like that? Uh, I got my jacket still like one of my first jackets has the extra fluff on the inside, like the down filler, but it's super quiet on the outside. Oh and yeah. Still have, uh, it's a mossy oak covering. And I, I, I had it from the beginning cause I don't like to be cold. You know, I'm a Vegas yeah, kid. Yeah. Growing up, uh, I live in North Carolina, which is in the South. I go to Florida a lot. I got to be warm when I'm hunting. So I have that big jacket. I'm with you, man. Most people don't know us seals. We're like, fuck the cold, man. I want warmth. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's no way. Yeah. yeah. San Diego, yeah. Virginia Beach, it's cold. Yeah, that's right. Yep. You are familiar. Um, okay. So uh, <clears throat> that was good, man. Um, side by side or motorcycle? You went with side-by-side, right? Yes, sir. Uh, It's easy, man. You got to have a roll cage. Yeah. Yeah, my dad wrecked on a bike 
um, when I was born. And my mom told me a story, you know, as I grew up, she was in the hospital with me, birthing me. And my dad is in the bed next to her because he wrecked on a street bike. Yeah, that they, they never let me ride on two wheels. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, for good reason. I'm still addicted to motorcycles. I've been riding them my whole life and definitely had those uh, near collision moments. But uh, but I also, you know, I, I agree. The safety side of it and side-by-sides, you know, with any kind of roll cage is, is good. You know, we use them in our community. You know, we're we're jumping in those things, you know, like literally throwing them out of airplanes and then chasing them down, you know, once we get down there and they are a game changer when you're going across crazy terrain. Cause while you're driving it, you're going, we could have been walking across this shit, but, uh, it's much better to drive across it. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. I got, you have different reasons for different, yeah. uh, items within your arsenal. And oh, I yeah. agree with percent. And if I had to do a bike, I'd figure it out. Oh yeah. Yeah. Now that's a fun way of doing it too. That's very like uh, Chuck Norris Delta force, you know, you gotta get your motorcycle and a machine gun, you know, and you're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Fly or drive. Uh, I chose drive uh, just cause I yeah. love road trips with racing when I was growing up. Um, road trips are still a big part of the travel that we do and it kind of gets you in the zone. You know what yeah. I mean? Like if you're going somewhere and you're going to win, uh, taking a flight is, is part of it. And you got to zone in with that, but the road trips are a part of the process too, of bringing everybody with you. That's right. Yeah. And the logistics of moving a team from one place to the other is pretty extensive, isn't it? Oh, for sure. Uh, like our group, uh, easily there's 40 guys and girls going to the racetrack. Uh, you know, back in the day, if you had your five or six volunteers and you're jumping into dually with, with the toe behind you're going, uh, it's, it's a process of making sure everybody gets there. And so it's like the road, the road trips always were like a commitment of time, effort, and fun. And then yeah. you get to go race. Now it's like with the plane rides, it's like, all right, we're going and then bang out the race and then fly back. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And now when you have time off, do you still enjoy road trips and, uh, and, and RVs and, you know, that kind of thing or. Yes. Uh, at least two, three a year, just commit and go, uh, with yeah. COVID. I tell you, man, like the, the SUV now that I have, it's, it's at least got 18,000 miles on it. Uh, just with all the extra driving to stay away from people, uh, you know, stay away from airports and, and just get to some of these races like Richmond from here at my house is four hours. It's like, well, yeah, it reminds me of the past. Let's go. Let's hit a road trip. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I enjoy it too, man. I, I did a, uh, I did 30 days on the road straight, um, in a, uh, in a van, a converted van doing research for one of my books. And, uh, it was during the height of the lockdown and the highways were empty. Like it was the best time to go across the United States, right? You had all of America to myself and probably one of the best, uh, experiences yet, especially during COVID. It was just so fucking cool to be on the highways and there was absolutely no one else with us, you know, felt like an apocalypse. Like where the hell yeah. is everybody? Like, what happened? Yeah. Yeah. And we rolled into your home city, Vegas, and 
there it was tumble literally tumbleweed like the strip um i stood in the center of that strip in the middle of the night and there was not one car and all of the big lit up signs down the strip all had covid warnings so i mean it was very apocalyptic it was so strange you know like you would never think vegas would be shut down like that just crazy yeah vegas vegas got hit hard in all directions i have friends in banking gambling the helicopter service transportation and all of them were going the most bonkers out of all my friends across the country and, and throughout the world yeah well let's hope they uh let's hope they recover well i heard it's still been tough but uh we'll see i think the future will We'll, we'll put all the money back in their pockets because I think people yeah. are itching. <laughs> They're going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Outlaw or lawmaker? I don't know what the law is, really. Um, <laughs> there you, then you are an outlaw. <laughs> yeah. So I'd rather put that hat on and roll. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's knowing the law within the law and staying within it and then helping people navigate through it or – you know, like it's, it's knowing that you, you get too far into one thing and just, just keep it in check. I, I don't know how to explain it, but I am not a lawyer because I cannot read the stuff they send me still. I've been at this deal a long time. <laughs> Lawyers, they're evil. They're like politicians. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And tax collectors. They're all, they're all, all three of those are equal. <laughs> True that. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I assume that you speed from time to time, right? You're driving down the road. You've got your, uh, you know, sports car du jour of, of choice for the night or the day. And, uh, I'm assuming you break the law from time to time. But question is, is do you, uh, do you tend to get out of any, when was the last time you got a ticket? That's a good question. I got a ticket, uh, this June and it was in North Carolina I'm on a rally with a bunch of buddies and I was running in the back, you know, I was just chilling back there yeah. and the cop pulls us all over and we're doing 82 and a 70. Oh. I'm like, oh. yeah, I'm like, this, this is going to be fine. You, you didn't see us three miles back, you know, when we were really gassing it up triple digits and he goes and grabs everybody's license and then comes back to the back car, which is me. And he hands me my license and he says, Hey, I need you to go up the road. Uh, I got too many people here on the side of the road. This is kind of a, a danger situation for all these people. Uh, I need you to go up ahead. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, I'm thinking I'm getting out of it. So I go up to the, to where he told me to go. It's the next gas station up and there's another cop. That's about a mile before that gas station and the red and blue blip. And now they're behind me. And I'm like, man, I was just told to go to the gas station up ahead. So I pull in, they get out, I get out and the junior police officer in the passenger seat wants a picture <laughs> because it's North Carolina NASCAR guy. And they wanted a picture, yeah. right? So I take the picture. Everything's cool. And I still like haven't gotten my ticket yet. And, and hours later, everybody trickles in to this gas station. Like now, now I've had like seven bags of Fritos, seven monsters. Like what's going on? And he hands out a ticket to everybody on the rally. 
everybody got a ticket. And I'm like, wait a minute. I took a picture with these guys three hours ago. What's what? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Now I was mad. And my buddy's like, just grabbed me by the back of my collar. Just get in the car. Let's go. Yeah. And now I got to send it to lawyers and they, they handled it. It was, you know, it was $300 ticket. Somebody's got to show up in court, <laughs> but I'm like, wait a minute. I had to take a picture. I thought we we're out of this. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 That so it goes, fair both, to me. it goes both ways. It can go worse yeah. or it can get better. It just depends. Yeah. Well, there you go. For all you law enforcement listening, come on, come on. It's What's just be that? real. It's just be real. <laughs> yeah. Picture equals zero tickets. Come on. More with NASCAR champion Kurt Busch after the break. All right. So uh, we roll into, I think, the final one here. Kurt or Kyle? <laughs> you put your money on yourself. Sounds like we're done here, you know? You're talking to the to the faster <laughs> one, the better one, and the more handsome one. Yeah, uh, no, I, I love the the rivalry that we've always yeah. had. Uh, a lot of people don't know seven years younger than I am, and so we didn't race against each other at all as kids. You know, I was over here, he's over there, and by the time he got to Cup, I had already mastered it. And so it took him three or four years to kind of catch up at the cup level. Yeah. And then when he did, boom, it was on. Like, <laughs> like we were we were like at each other for a while. So it's been good over the years. You know, we've, we've kind of had all the ebbs and flows of who's who's going to be bigger, who's going to get more stats, who got us here, uh, who had what imagery issue problems, you know, like we've gone through it all together. And yeah, at this point right now, like we both throw an arm around each other and go, dude, we've, we've done it all. Yeah, that is cool. I've got a little brother. We're 11 years apart and, uh, you know, I did my entire seal career and he knows all the cool stuff. And now he's in the government doing cool stuff. Right. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's like, it, I mean, you can't help but be like, you know what? I'm proud of you. You know, you're proud of your little brother and uh, you um, and you enjoy every success they get, um, you know, regardless yep. of, you know, how they overlap in different worlds. He's, he's doing cool shit. You got to be like, yeah, that's cool, man. I love it. Did you help him with any of those doors opening or those bridges or he do it all on his own? Uh, he, um. Not really. You know, I, I did push him down certain paths saying, Hey, you know, from my experience, you know, going in the military is never a bad thing. You know, it's, uh, for me, it was, it wasn't an economical decision, right? Some people join because they want a paycheck or they want to get the GI bill and get their college paid for. Um, but for me, it was truly patriotism. And I grew up in Saudi Arabia and I didn't, I grew up in a, in a culture that I didn't like. And as a kid, I said, Hey, when I come back someday and fucking kill these people. And of course you grow up, right. And you realize, Hey, culture is culture. It's different everywhere. As long as they don't, uh, push their ways on me, I'm good. Right. But either way, that's what drove me down that path. And, uh, and, and so serving was definitely patriotic and also a little bit of that, like, yeah, you know, I wouldn't mind going back to the middle East and a little payback <laughs> for how they treated my parents and stuff. But, you know, and, 
and for him, you know, he's serving his country in a different capacity than I did. And I'm like, you know, that's always a good thing. And, you know, and everybody has their reasons for doing it. And, uh, you know, he's doing it for a lot of awesome reasons and he's doing a lot of cool shit. So, you know, it's, uh, I mentor him the best I can, but he's, he's definitely walked his own path, which is cool. Very good. No, understood. Yeah, how about I mean, you? Did you were you uh, were you in a mentor position at all, or was it like, man, I hope he doesn't catch up? <laughs> <laughs> I always like to tell him I left every bridge open for him. You know, I didn't yeah. burn it down when I was crossing over, and then when he would cross over it, he'd be like, "What the hell? You didn't tell these people about those people and this bit." I'm like, "No, man, you got to kind of do things on your own." But at the same time, there's what our dad gave us, what our yeah. mom committed to, our grandma. And for us in racing and NASCAR is such a small little family all the time that yeah. you're going to be connected in that way. And he didn't quite see it. He just he had the blinders on to kick my ass from day <laughs> one. And it's like, no, nah, I kind of helped you, bro. I kind of helped you a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm sure that kept you moving quick too, though, right? <laughs> it did. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. it was a good, good rivalry. And I would say early 2010s, he had surpassed me in, in the statistics. Yeah. And I, I didn't absorb it, I didn't feel it right away the right way. And then as like a couple of years went by, he had a leg injury. And I was just like, whoa. This is what mom always talked about. Like th this stuff's dangerous. Like this stuff's weird and things can happen. And so in the hospital room with him going through all that, it's, it's, it sets in and it's like, Oh, this isn't such an arms race. We're here to work together. And then since yeah. then he's got two championships. He's the all time winningest driver in the Xfinity series. Uh, he's a NASCAR team owner with the truck series. Um, I haven't held him up. Not one bit. It's like, what can I do in the system behind the scenes? But at the same time, I'm still racing hard. I love it. And yeah. I'm at a whole new world with the monster athletes through Kyle. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, I think that the rivalry, right. Like you said, once it, once it, once you, once you have that wake up moment that, uh, what you guys are doing is dangerous, then it's, you know, okay, wait a minute. That's my brother. Not a, not a competitor anymore. Right. Yeah, that's where we've helped each other, I think, on track. Uh, there's still the danger. still love it. I go after it. I won Daytona after that. I won a yeah. bunch of races since. And you just, I just keep going, keep digging. But, yeah, there yeah. is that family moment. And then uh, this year, I had a crazy, crazy situation happen in a rain race at Circuit of the Americas. Coming down the back straightaway, I'm digging. And I knew he was in front of me. And I see this other car, so I swerved, and I'm pointed right at the 18 door, my oh. little brother's door. And I'm like, I saw it, like a moment in a movie, like Days of Thunder. I'm like, just don't hit the door. And I snaked right behind him. I got just behind him, cleared everybody. No wreck happened. And it was a moment, though, of oh, don't shit. hit the 18. Don't hit the 18. Like, uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm sure you maybe have. I'd, maybe I'd be good in battle. Maybe I would, you know? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you guys are thinking at, uh, I mean, mock speed, right? I mean, what you're doing is 
milliseconds can make a huge difference, right? Based on decisions and actions and, and anything that follows, you know, like what's going on in front of you. I mean, it's just so fast, right? I mean, it's quick and you go off experience, you go off talent, you go off what was taught to you, right? Yeah. You got to use it all in that moment. And you're not one ounce worried about protecting yourself. You're worried about just doing what's right. I think that's, that's why we connected today on this podcast. Yeah, I think, and I think there's some parallels, you know, what we're really talking about is performance and safety. And both of them are taken into consideration in order to be successful. Right. I mean, in the SEAL teams, that's all you're graded on is performance and safety. Right. And, um, yeah, and if you fuck up in either one, you're out, there is no room. It's a zero yeah. fail mission all the time. Would you say it's kind of the same in NASCAR? I, I would say, you know, I mean, ours isn't as cutthroat, but it will shorten your life, shorten your yeah. life expectancy, shorten your career. Yeah. You know, all those are different things because if you screw up in one area, your life could be taken. Uh, you can't jeopardize your crew around you. And then, you know, like long-term, I just made my 750th career start. And wow, looking around going, I've been doing this a while, but it doesn't feel that long. I'll just keep going. Uh, But there's only a dozen guys that have made it that far in all of NASCAR. Damn, congrats on that. That's That's an awesome win. And to, uh, you know, you're walking, your arms and hands still work. <laughs> I'm yeah, sure you're like it. me. It all, you know, you wake up in the morning, you're like, God, this is, you're a little sore than you were in your twenties, but uh, yeah, it's all worth it. Right. You got it. Yeah. My, my knees are the first thing that talk to me. I don't know why, uh, but they do. I got to keep track of that. Yeah. I'm the same. You know, I did that, you know, that 30 day road trip I was alluding to. And when I got done, you know, we did, uh, it was 11, 11 or 12,000 miles in 30 days. And my knees, I'd never had leg issues and my knees were shot from sitting at those angles, right? You don't think about it until you get out. And it was like day 28 and I got out of that van and I was like, holy shit. I mean, my legs literally didn't work. <laughs> hey, what I learned, you got to put your feet up on the dash sometimes. You got to just put your feet up and chill. That's, that's what you got to do. Go. Yeah, I'll do that next time for sure. Well, um, you can't be so, driving at the same time, though. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, hey, take risks, right? <clears throat> um, <laughs> so let's dig in now to, I think it'd be interesting, the sports and the athlete side of this. You mentioned it. You're, you're partnered with Monster, which I have to say, your Monster, uh, you know, no, is that Nomex still? Is Nomex still the the thing with your with your, your jumpsuits? Yes. The fire suit, Nomex three layer. Yes. Yes, yeah. sir. So I, I definitely got to say monster. You, you look cooler in a monster jumpsuit than like an Eminem, uh, jumpsuit, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, yeah. It, I mean, Hey, it's, it's, uh, it's family all the way through. Cause Kyle's family yeah. with the Eminem's fam- They're great. Yeah. I love them too. No, I know. I was, I was just opening the door there for you. <laughs> well, mine was flat black. Yeah. I, I knew what you were asked after you. <laughs> um, so now all the, all the prep, like, so what's your workout regimen? Do you have one like that? That's kind of designed for getting in a car and driving those, driving those laps over and over and over again and going all day long like that. 
For sure. Uh, and what I love is my wife is an athlete as well. Uh, she plays polo. She rides horses. A lot of her uh, energy and what she jumps into on the workouts is lower body. And I didn't do a lot of that when, um, you know, I first started out. And so with muscle strength and, and strength training, uh, it's, it's a balance. And with North Carolina, where we live half the year, and then South Carolina, the other half, uh, we're into two things. It's, it's making sure that we're helping each other grow around our, our work and what we're doing for racing and for riding. And the other side of it is cardio. For me, cardio is king. So whether I'm running, biking, uh, I live here on a lake and I'm kayaking, uh, it's all about cardio. Uh, for her with nutrition, she taught me a lot about new nutrition. I taught her a lot about stretching and hydration. So we, we bounce a bunch of stuff off each other all the time and we're continuing to grow and learn. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you have a favorite workout? You know, one specific that you kind of default to when you're on the road or you're just, you know, one of those days where you're like, ah, I don't feel like programming anything today. I'm just going to do this one, the one I love. I wouldn't say I have a programmed one or one I love, but it's just banging out a hundred push-ups, hundred yep. sit-ups, and then doing full stretches. So I, I can now get three knuckles to the floor, bending over and trying to touch my toes. And oh, you yeah, have to yeah. stay limber. You got to stay fluid like that. That way the hydration that you're feeding your body goes through all your muscles. That way I don't have to fight off dehydration as bad. Gotcha. And yeah, and, and leading into that, that hydration is, you know, it's a, it's a problem with uh, being on the track for as long as you are in the heat and the circumstances, right? Kind of go through that process. How do you stay hydrated? I mean, the key thing, it's a secret weapon that the monster people taught me about with electrolytes. Uh, and then to jump off of those during the week and you're just doing straight water. That way your body's going, hang on, what happened? And then Friday, boom, electrolytes and getting sugars in, whether it's a Gatorade, a Pedialyte, Powerade, uh, you just have to change it around and not get stuck on a regimen. Gotcha. So you're keeping your body off balance so that it's, it ends up making it a little more efficient as it relates to your fluids. Yeah. And the same thing goes with like, um, like carbs, you know, it, I always try to cut out carbs Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and I might be getting a little cranky by Thursday. <laughs> and then you feed in the carbs for Friday, Saturday with proteins, of course, all week. I love yeah. my veggies, uh, but it's, 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 it's cycling through and making sure each Sunday or a Saturday night race is best prepared for. Oh, okay. No, that's kind of interesting. I like it. Because I don't think, uh, you know, I think it's been, would you say in the past five to 10 years where the more of the athletic performance lessons learned have made their way into NASCAR or has it always been there? Uh, I mean, it's always what's right at the right time. Evolution, uh, just being fluid with it all. I mean, when I first got here, uh, guys like Mark Martin were just banging out strength training. He's got books on how to train, how to eat right and do everything. And then you meet a guy like Ken Schrader at the bar, you know, after the race and, and he's having a couple cold beers. It's like, 
all right. So there's everybody's pattern. So, but then yes, you're right. As of the last decade, you know, whether it's social media or other things, um, everybody still trains hard and everybody still parties hard. It's just a matter of finding the right balance. Yeah. I think that's with everything we, uh, yeah, the, the SEAL teams, we'll, we'll go into an area, let's say there's a major city where we're going to do a, a training trip. And usually it's the finish line, if you will, that determines which city we go to. So Liberty for us, that's when everything's said and done and we're going to go out on the town and have some fun. The trip, whoever's leading that trip tends to go, wait a minute, is that city got good places to go out? Is that a good, no, never mind. We're not going to that city. We'll, we'll switch cities just so that uh, we're going to the one that has the best liberty. <laughs> I hear you. But, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, you're working backwards there. More with the coolest guy in NASCAR, the monster car, Kurt Bush, after the break. All right. So driving the Camaro. All right. Now I see the Camaros on the road and I know that you can mod these and do all kinds of tunes on these things and get crazy horsepower out of them. So pretend we're talking, you know, you are talking to the novice, the listener that doesn't know much about NASCAR and, you know, you've got all that horsepower, but it's everything's equal amongst the bunch. Right. And the cars pretty much are all the same. It really boils down to the driver. Is that correct? I mean, it, yes, of course. The driver is the one responsible for the performance of the car. Yeah. Uh, you got to build the right stuff if you're going to show up, but it depends on what kind of arms race you're talking about. Is this a drag race? You know, is this a point A to point B? Is this a road course thing where you're trying to show off lap time? I mean, you got, you got a bunch of different factors involved. Yeah. So let's say the tool is a, uh, a Camaro. I went and bought it. Um, and now I'm going to just drag race. Like, is there any, uh, any tips for the listener where, you know, the things, the things they should do right out of the box with their car, uh, that would, uh, you know, increase their performance on the road. <laughs> traction control is a, uh, is a, a help and a hindrance at the same time. I, I got to go through a quick story. I did yeah. a promotion with Chevy a couple of years ago with monster. We had Camaros and I was with Brittany force at a drag strip. Yeah. And it was you guys heads up. Let's go. Who's got it. I'm like, Oh man, I got this. <laughs> I take, traction control off for the burnout and I'm doing smoke like like smoke everywhere. And she's like, like, like it was, she didn't take, she didn't hit the button. Ah, yeah. And then like, as we're going to stage, she goes, Hey, and like the, the windows roll down. She goes, Hey, where's the traction control button? And it's right there, girl. You got it. So she hits it. <laughs> so I turn mine back on for uh, the race. Her tires are ice cold. Now she's got track <laughs> control off. Dude, it was awesome. Like I smoked her and it was all about knowing how to use a car, right? Yeah. Is that not yeah, a good story? A good point. Yeah, I like that. And uh, I don't know if that story really got out there because I was kind of like, oh, I probably shouldn't really talk about this, but I just did. 
Yeah, I think people, I think you're right. You get a like you get a car that has all this crazy technology in it. You know, I'm talking showroom floor, you know, you go and buy it, you know, with your you get a uh, you know, whatever. Uh, hopefully under a hundred thousand dollar car loan <laughs> like the average e5 that uh, goes to the car dealership just outside of base where it's like a great rate of 25 percent interest you know and they totally sucker them into into a camaro because that seems to be the one of choice for uh your your newly enlisted folks and and yeah they don't know have have a clue on half the technology and how to use it in there but uh you bring up a good point. So a lot of it now, almost every car has that. What is the button that represents like rocket mode? It's a, uh, what's it called again? Like uh, performance sport. Yeah. Sport mode. Yeah. Yeah. Sport mode. And right before you're, it basically allows you to increase the RPMs while it's still in gear. Take It's like takeoff mode or. Oh, launch, uh, launch control. Launch. There you go. Launch control. And I, now I've noticed that's on. Every sports car known to man. What do you think? You think that's becoming gimmicky, or is there some is there some uh, some cool aspects to that? Uh, I mean, it, it's both. You know, you get all the bouncing off the rev chip. Like you just go to full throttle with the button, and it's ba 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 ba, and then you hit it, or it gets to the to the point of of release, and it just then spins the tires. It's yeah. still all about traction, all yeah. about traction. Yeah, you want those things to stick. Yeah, if you're not ready for all this launch control, then you're you're going to be swerving and you only make it 60 feet. <laughs> That's right, lose control. Um, yeah, wow. Um, so taking us down a NASCAR, I did a NASCAR experience, uh, I think it was like a year or two ago, and it was pretty cool. And they have like a safety brief and they make you sit down. Yeah, pre, kind of, pre-COVID. You know, yeah, pre-COVID was like five, five years ago. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Maybe that's when it was. Um, <laughs> and I was I was kind of blown away in the fact that a NASCAR is built to go left. Is that, I mean, does that hold true across the board? Because you're always driving in, you know, you know, these left-hand circles. It, so the cars are kind of designed in favor left than anything else. Uh, yes. Yeah. With roll cage protection, uh, the cambers, uh, cross weight springs. Yes. Uh, yeah. 90% of the time we're on these ovals going left. Yeah. I, I, I don't know why, but the science behind that is I was like, you know, I would have never thought of that. And I, I didn't know if it was common knowledge, but I was like, holy shit, these things are kind of, everything's tuned and built and designed so that they can go left a whole lot more effectively and efficiently. And, um, and there's a lot of science in the NASCAR. I think if, you know, people watch any of these movies who have, that have pushed it, you know, with drafting and everything and, um, and everything else that comes with it, it's actually, it's actually pretty cool when you start digging in. Right. Yes. And then like, um, our road course cars for Sonoma Watkins Glen here in the U S they're primarily right-hand turns. So if there's 10 turns, let's just say 10, yeah. if, Seven of out, out of the 10 are right-handers. We're building everything to go right with those cars. So in most countries, most places around the world, yeah. whether it's Formula One, Australian V8 supercars, any kind of road course car, you're building things 50-50 to go left, go right, and go real quick. Here in the U.S., our oval cars took such dominance 
uh, that even our road courses, we just commit to go right that much more so. So now we're starting to see though, a next generation of NASCAR and it's going to be a bunch of road courses where we got to go left and right. And these tracks are starting to be designed or the tracks we're going to are 60, 40 or 50, 50 left and right. And now we're morphing more towards what we've seen around the world. So more of a balanced vehicle so that you can negotiate, you know, both right and left at any given moment. Yes. And what's, yeah. what's cool is like, I did a, uh, a driver swap years ago with an Australian V8 supercar, uh, James Courtney. Okay. And he jumps in my NASCAR car. I'm in, I'm in the Australian V8 supercar at, at Austin, our Coda track. And he jumps out and he goes, this is the weirdest car I've ever driven. Like, why are you wrestling a bear? This feels like I'm wrestling a bear driving your NASCAR car. <laughs> Yeah, because it's going the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, it's going doing everything all and it has so much power. So much power. Yeah, it's great. Damn. Um, let's get into you and some of the things you've got going on. I know that uh, you know, you're a pretty generous person, right? You've got this uh you got all kinds of different giveaway programs, veteran ticketed foundation. Um, tell us more about some of the stuff that you've got going that are more near and dear to your heart. A big program for me um, started years ago when I visited Walter Reed and Bethesda Medical Centers for our U.S. military. And I got to see some of these men and women who had been injured. They were on the front line and their life changed immediately when they get back to this medical center. And I'm sitting there going, this is an appreciation of of freedom liberty, love, and commitment to a country I've never seen before. And when I started to go around and shake some hands and and give some hugs, there was this connection of, I want to get you guys out of here. What can I do? And I I found a program through VetTix. VetTix helps get military members to any kind of sporting event here in the U.S., and I did a program with VetTix for every NASCAR race. 100 tickets are available for our military to get into a lottery and to get a ticket and to get to a race. And it's to say thanks for the commitment, the love, the sacrifice of being this, this, this person in the military for, for our, our country. And their life got changed forever. The money might have changed. This That happened. It's just to give them a reason to keep pushing through rehab and to know that somebody's out there caring for them. And it's just a simple thing, you know, hundred tickets to every NASCAR race that is available for our military. Yeah, dude, that's badass. And just so we get it clear on here, it's V E T T I X, correct? Vet. Yes. Vet tips, V E T T I X.org. Yeah. And it's a system that the military has in place. So they're already mm-hmm. registered. It's not a third party app or anything. It's just boom. It's simple. It's easy. And it doesn't get lost at the box office. Yeah. Makes it easy on. That's awesome, man. We appreciate that. Um, what else you got going on? How, how, what is the next big thing you've got coming up? Uh, for, for me, there's, there's nothing more true and, and dear of, of helping our military 
we have a program where we're helping breast cancer awareness here in October. Uh, it was from a, a fan that wrote in and says, look, they love the monster sponsorship. They love the car. Uh, his mom was going through uh, uh, the breast cancer uh, chemo and going through that process. And we're helping them out. Uh, just happy to help out in any direction. And, you know, I'm switching teams next year to race for Michael Jordan, you know, the, the, the goat of all of all of sports. He's got a NASCAR wow. team and I'm switching over to race for him next year. So I've got that going on, but behind the scenes, you know, just, uh, just love racing, love going to the track, compete to win. We're not eligible for the championship right now in NASCAR, but we're still pushing hard to finish the season strong. Yeah. Well, I hope best of luck to you on that. And before we dive into your hypothetical survival scenario, I got to ask, what is the, you know, you've been in a lot of life threatening situations. I mean, that's what you do for a living basically. Um, is there one that stands out where you had some lessons learned that became, you know, uh, pretty valuable for you as you moved forward in your career? Was there that one moment where you're like, holy shit. And then you're like, okay, I'm not doing this, this, or this again, or maybe, okay, now I'm doing this, this, and this forever. <laughs> it's about the racing world. Like, yes, please. I wrecked a truck truck series. I'm a rookie. Like, I know exactly what you just asked. And yeah. I wrecked at Kentucky speedway and it's, it spun around on me. I was running fourth right in the mix for the win. And it hit the driver's side up against the wall. And the truck stopped. I look up in the mirror and I'm like, oh, look, truck's on fire. Huh. Probably should get out now. Oh, shit. I drop the window net. I, I climb out. Everything's in slow-mo when it happened. Right. Yeah. And then I see the video of it as I get back to the, to the hauler, you know, change my clothes. I see the, the race replay. I'm like, I jumped out of that thing. Like, 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 like I look like Tasmanian devil getting out of that. And then the team wanted to get on my butt, you know, because I wrecked the truck and I'm like, no, you guys had a bad pit stop. And they're like, no, no, you wrecked the truck. I'm like, no, you had a bad pit stop. I was on fire. Did you see that stuff? They're like, Why'd you even bring that into it? I'm like, no, I just survived this, this whole death moment or this whole like big wreck. And now you're blaming me. I'm blaming you. And then like the team owner shows up the next day. Hey, I need you to go and break down these three trucks. I need you to take all the suspension off all these trucks. I'm like, do you know that the pit crew had a bad pit stop? Like I'm just going off, you know, like <laughs> continuing to ramble. And Jack Roush was not hearing any of it. Right. And Jack Roush is a, I would say, strongly background minded, committed to our military. And it was a lesson of here, go, go fix these trucks, go take these trucks apart uh, because you're going to work on this and you're going to forget that your pit crew screwed up and you're going to learn something from this. And you're going to learn how to drive in those situations so that you don't wreck in the future. That was a big moment. And I haven't wrecked in, in that same fashion. I've thought about things when I get in those split second moments as I'm racing now from, from all that. Wow. Yeah. That's a good one. Now on fire. That's yeah. That, that probably wasn't fun though. Right. 
<laughs> uh, just the truck was on fire. I, I was yeah. okay. <laughs> You're just running away from the fire. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, look, it's on fire. <laughs> yeah, a little moment there. I can't imagine. Um, yeah, the closest I've I've been to racing, and this is a little bit of a interesting story. I, my mom, you know, my parents got divorced when I was in high school, and my mom ran off with this dude, right, and uh, to California, Palm Desert, and somehow ended up in the SCCA circuit. Okay. My mom, she's now a race car, becoming a race car driver. And I have no idea about any of this stuff. And she ends up in these little Azuzu impulses and roll cages and fire extinguishers, you know, and netting in the door. And anyway, she, uh, spends a lot of my dad's money that, uh, she kept, she'd come back every, uh, every year or two and say, I need a check. And my dad loved that woman and kept, you know, giving her these checks. And, uh, and then she continued racing, racing. Eventually she comes back. My dad says, okay, yeah, I'll take you back. And they get back together, which I thought was crazy. Even as a high school student, (laughs) I love my mom, but I was like, what dad, are you, are you nuts? Um, so I end up, uh, one summer with one of these Isuzu impulses with the roll cage. And all of a sudden I'm like the cool kid with a fucking race car. Right. And, um, and the first like week I have it, I take it out and I'm in Plano, Texas, just North of Dallas and, uh, where I grew up and I, I floor this fucking thing down Custer road. And I'm thinking I'm going to thread the needle. There's a car in front of me. There's a car just ahead in the right lane, a car just ahead in the left lane. But I'm coming up on the one in the center as fast as possible, thinking I'm just going to juke right, right when I get to his bumper. Well, I must have freaked that person out coming up on their ass that fast. And it decides to go over into the right lane just as I'm cutting to the right lane. Anywhere I swerve back to the left, I hit the median, jump this thing and do a head-on collision into a vehicle coming the opposite direction. <laughs> and that was my, uh, that was definitely my race car moment. Um, because I was like, I could have killed the person, you know, coming, uh, towards obviously in the other lane, you know, traffic coming head on could have killed myself, obviously. And, uh, that, that was the moment where I learned that when you're, if you're driving at those high speeds and that was nothing right compared to what you do, but it was fast for me being a little high school kid and, um, not knowing what the hell I was doing and then surviving it. There was a couple of lessons there. I was like, okay, so next time move over into the right lane far sooner than waiting until you're on somebody's ass before you do it. Right. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that's, that was that's a- big. That's that's probably why my dad got me a forty horsepower Volkswagen Bug when I was a <laughs> yeah. kid. Because you yeah. ain't gonna get in trouble going that slow. <laughs> that wise, wise decision. It all goes back to parenting, right? There's all there's think- good parenting going on. There's bad parenting going on in this country. <laughs> I always blame it on bad parenting if someone <laughs> screws up. More with NASCAR badass Kurt Busch after the break. All right. So, man, great stuff. Let's move in. I could keep going all day, but uh, let's get into your hypothetical survival scenario. We got something special for you today. So are you ready? I think I'm ready. All right. For this scenario, you're being paid to show up at an out-of-state car show. All right. Which state? Doesn't really matter, but you're just inside the United States. The climate is sunny and comfortable. It's a beautiful day out. You've been given a 69 Camaro to show up to the event in. 
All right. Um, you're in town early and you go to the hotel provided by the sponsors. The valet says he'll keep your car up front. Of course he will, right? Because uh, it's a badass car. Um, it's evening. The sun is starting to settle uh, in about 30 minutes or so, okay? Your hotel room is on the ground floor of the building. As you walk to your hotel room, you hear the emergency alert sound coming from your cell phone. Uh, and everyone else's cell phone is going off as well. The emergency alert system says, shelter in place, new variant on the loose. <laughs> Avoid any person that looks overly pale or has a sharp pointy teeth like fangs. They may be drawn to open wounds or blood. Stay indoors at night. A hotel guest passes by you in the hotel. She's a young woman with a young daughter. Her daughter looks at her and says, do they mean vampires, mommy? The mom and the daughter get into their hotel room, okay? You get into your room and hear a knock at the door. A voice on the other, other side says, complimentary room service, sir. Would you like to invite me inside your room so I can deliver it? All right, so first question, do you A, let him in and see what free room service you've got, or B, decline, tell him you're not hungry and please go away? All right, all right, I followed you that, that whole sequence. <laughs> all right, yeah, there are some details in there that uh, serve as clues. So it's, it's almost nightfall. And there could be a vampire on the loose. Uh, <laughs> there might be there might be a one of the, the eye holes to, to see who's knocking on the door. That's right. Not not likely. Uh, but we were just told to, to hunker down. Uh, the '69 Camaro now is is a whole different decoy. That's part of of how to survive all this. Maybe. And I would not I would I would not be answering the door. That's right. I think, uh, you know, <clears throat> I think the key here is you're not inviting them into your room, right? I think there's a, you know, if it's, it's, if, if, if the new variant creates some kind of vampire deal, then you don't want to invite them in, right? I think a vampire can only come inside and, uh, you know, I guess suck your blood, uh, if they've been invited in, right? So, uh, Yeah. I think uh, you are correct. B, decline and tell him you're not hungry. Please go away. Yeah. So you tell him to go away. You're good to go. And uh, he says, sir, please invite me in. We have a gift for you. And uh, you can hear screaming coming from uh, the inside of the hotel as well in the background noise. It's like there's chaos starting to go on. Um and you can see your 69 Camaro in the valet right outside your window because you're on the ground floor. So do you, A, open the door and ask the guy, like, what the hell is going on? Leave me alone. Or B, hop out the window, go to the valet and retrieve your vehicle. Uh, if it's A or B, do B. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's about time to bounce <laughs> out of here. It's chaos. Right. Sounds, sounds like it's ensuing down the hallway and outside seems calmer. There you go. I'm with you. Uh, so as you approach the valet sand with caution, uh, you can see a kid working there looking pretty pale. So do you, A, wait for him to go away 
then steal the car keys from the valet stand, or B, hand the kid a tip and ask him for your keys. We, we got to get the keys on our own at this point. Yes. Uh, you, you gave a tip of a pale uh, valet kid. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So uh, we're thinking, you know, definitely follow the advice of the emergency alert and uh, avoid anyone, especially if they look pale. So you wait a minute, the kid goes to do something, and you steal the keys and hit the road. Now you're rolling in your 69 Camaro, okay? You cruise along, when ahead, you see a wall of at least 50 to 60 people kind of interlocked, blocking the road, and of course, they're all pale, and you think you can see some very sharp, pearly whites. So do you A, floor it and plow them over, or B, slow to a stop at at least 30 feet away from the wall of uh, COVID vampires. Can I go back to my hotel room and hunker in? <laughs> <laughs> go back to shelter in place. Yeah. Uh, no, you can't. <laughs> All right. Again, we, we're, uh, we're, we're not stopping for anybody. I mean, I would, I would just totally hit an e-brake and head the other way. But All you right. gave me A or B, right? Yeah, B is slow to a stop. I mean, that could be your next move. I think you're no, right no. Move. A is A is plow through it. <laughs> All right. So A, yes, uh, floor it and plow through them. Well, um, you know, you may be right, but B is the right answer on this paper. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, there's so many things that run the risk. I think you know this. You don't. You don't. You don't want to inadvertently damage your vehicle up, you know, early. You have no idea what to expect later on down the road, right? So um, stopping 30 feet away also sets you up for maybe uh, executing some of those uh, little performance or high-performance driving maneuvers that we're definitely going to talk about. I mean, we can't do that without you being here. Um, so we're going to go ahead and put you back on course here. You decide to stop uh, because, as you know, if you run over people, you can get high axled, right? And now you're just spinning tires. Or you blow out a tire, damage your vehicle. Now you're on foot with these idiots, right? So that's the last place you want to be. So we're going to keep you in the car. We're going to keep you from running anybody over for right now and go with B. <laughs> stop 30 feet away, all right? So you stop and uh, you're looking at this, you know, this like, you know, COVID vampire roadblock ahead of you. Do you A, uh, floor it up onto the curb and go around. Now I kind of gave you the answer to that or B put the car and put the car in reverse and execute a reverse 180 and go the other way. <clears throat> All right. Well, I didn't know that was an option now. <laughs> I, I kind of yeah. told you before we'd be going yep. the opposite way. You are definitely predicting the future for sure. Okay. So, so we're, yes. we're back on, we're back on the same page together. B. Yeah. Yes, you are. Good job. So, yeah, the, cur the curb could damage your vehicle. We don't want to damage the vehicle at all, at least not right now. No, but so, even uh, if it was damaged and I ran over people and then I'm pulled over and I get vampires and I survive it and the sponsor <laughs> goes, why'd you damage the car? I'd be like, because there was vampires. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and so I got they a get cell a phone warning. With I got a cell phone warning. You got a cell phone warning? And, and as long as you take a picture with the guy, then you're good to go, right? <laughs> 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 All right, so you execute the reverse 180 like the badass that you are in the vehicle that you're in. Um, 
And you seem to be getting away from the mob and subhuman vampires. Uh, <clears throat> on the corner, you see a pile of trash with some old busted up picture frames sitting on the side of the road. Hmm? Kind of interesting. Uh, so do you A, keep on driving, or B, make a quick, make a quick stop and uh, grab some of the wooden frames from the pile? Oh, they're wooden frames, huh? <laughs> get in the game here. Come on, get in the game. I mean, it, if, I, if I've got a 69 Camaro, I'm pretty fast. I can make up time. Yeah, let's stop and grab some wooden yeah. stakes. Yeah, so there okay. you go. Now you're on it. All right, so improvised weapons, right, are more handy than you think in any situation. And what people don't realize is we are surrounded by improvised weapons. It's one of the things I push all the time in my my 100 Deadly Skill books is, you know, you've, you've got things around you that can get yourself out of bad, a bad situation, but a lot of times people forget to kind of identify them up front. It only takes a split second to go, hey, I got a coffee mug. I can throw it at a bad guy. Hey, it's got hot coffee that burns their face or their eyes. There's a lot of different things that we can use. I've got this in my hand pretty much 24-7. Um, you've got monster. you got monster cans. You know what the, what the what, over in Saudi – Okay, cans used to be made out of steel, not aluminum. So when I was a kid, those fuckers, you know, and I'm referring to uh, the host uh, members of that country, they would crush the cans, right? And the steel ones would crush into basically like a throwing star, super sharp, far sharper than aluminum when you crush an aluminum can. And then they would chunk those things at us on a regular basis. So that's when I learned like, wow, you know, yeah, you can use a can. Even a can is a weapon if you want it to be. Especially a monster. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> no, I had I had one of the the openings cut cut my finger when I was a kid, and I'm oh, like, yeah. oh, it's simple. I just need a band aid, and it just kept bleeding. It kept bleeding. It kept bleeding. I saw and I passed out. And I'm like, yeah, cans can hurt you. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's worse. It's like a paper cut, man. Those things suck. Um, okay. So uh, as you cruise along, you see another wall of vampires. All right. So you've got your Camaro, you've got your uh, makeshift stakes, all right? And uh, so, and a parking structure is to your left, okay? So do you A, pull into the parking structure and hide, or B, slow down to about 30 miles per hour this time and go ahead and perform a J-turn? <laughs> parking structures are bad, yeah. But at the same time, can you get down the stairs and get out of there? Mm. You know, like just bail on the Camaro. Mm. If we're hitting another U-turn, I don't know if the zombies are coming back from the other way. Now it just seems like they're starting to do this. Yeah, it's kind of a tough place. I get, I get your reasoning here. But I, I stopped for the stakes. I, I, I'm going to go with... A, Let's hit another U-turn because there's going to be a, a, another left or a right that I can get out of here as a driver. Let's stay with there the car. You go. Yeah, stay, stay with, the, with car. the car. Correct. Slow to about 30 miles per hour and perform a J-turn. Yeah, you know, if you've got a good functioning car, full tank of gas, you know, there's no issues. And, uh, you know, in this situation, we're talking about vampires, but I've been in situations where I took a right-hand turn and it was a thousand angry people during the Arab Spring and I was alone. I just left the embassy and literally my passenger side tires are coming off the ground. 
My driver's side tires are coming off the ground. I've got a pistol. I've got a cell phone. I've got a tank of gas. I've got the option to floor it. But I was like, you know what? It's, none of those were good options. The cell phone happened to be dead. Okay, the embassy totally hooked me up. Plus, I didn't have any SIM cards with minutes on it. <laughs> I was totally screwed. Couldn't call for help. But point being is I was still in the safety confines of my vehicle, even though I was surrounded by a bunch of angry people. And uh, it was it ended up being the best decision. Stay in the vehicle. Stay in the vehicle. If it's, if it's good to go, it still serves a purpose. Um, so why be a sitting duck in a parking structure? you know, and, and, and ultimately like park and come to a stop. You know, when you have momentum on your side, hopefully it can certainly help you certainly helps you with a J turn, right? So 30 miles an hour, you pull that e-brake and you're going to get those back tires floating. Your ass is going to swing around. Your nose is going to be pointing 180 degrees and then you're letting off that e-brake and then you're fucking flooring it. And you're out of there. So uh, I'm sure you're good at those. You, you perform any of those anytime? I know you may do uh, loops around and, you know, burn some tires out in a circular fashion from time to time, right? Every now and then. Every now and then. Like <laughs> the, the celebratory burnouts, uh, yeah. not, no better feeling because you know you're on top of the world at that point. But hang on, let's get yeah. back to it. To, yeah, to yeah, there we go. Okay. Yep. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay, so... Um, <clears throat> As you head the other way, it seems you've lost the mob of uh, COVID vampires for now. Then you see a woman from you see the woman from the hotel. Her daughter is in, in their car and they have a flat tire on the side of the road. Damn it. And then she's trying to flag you down. Hmm. So you decide you better help. Okay. So A. Keep your, improvi keep your improvised weapons with you after determining she's after determining she's not infected. You give her a ride out of there. Or B, keep your improvised weapons with you and change her tire for her. So I'm pretty I'm pretty quick yeah. at changing tires, and <laughs> I don't trust her at this point. Uh uh, can yeah. I choose not even changing the tire and just keep digging with my wooden stakes? <laughs> <laughs> just say, fuck it. Leave her on the side of the road and keep on moving. Sorry. I think she now is, is part of them. I'm starting to, starting to question their integrity. Yeah. I mean, you never know, really. I mean. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's change the tire. Get the hell out of there with my equipment. <laughs> All right. So, well, you know, this one's a toss up for sure. I mean. But better just to hurry up and get the hell out of there rather than uh, changing the tire and putting yourself in a position of vulnerability. So, yeah, um, you can come back for her. Right. So at, at a later date. So you, you can justify it that way, too. So, yeah, I'm with you, man. Um, as you help her and her daughter get into the Camaro, uh, a vampire charges you guys. OK, so uh, do you a smash them in the head with your improvised weapon or B stab the wooden improvised weapon into the said heart of the COVID vampire. You're supposed to go into the heart with a wooden stake, right? <laughs> so, so they say, <laughs> so, um, yeah, you, you got, you got to stab them right in the heart with a piece of wood to kill them. Supposedly last question. 
With the mother and daughter you saved in the car, do you, A, stop at a nearby military base, or B, keep moving as fast as you can out of town, getting far away until the sun comes up? I mean, you said we had a full tank of gas. It sounds like <laughs> it sounds like we can keep moving till the sun comes up. Trust, yes. trust nobody at the base. Uh, yeah, the last thing you'd want to do is, I think, go to a base with a bunch of armed uh, COVID vampires. No doubt about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you uh, you certainly survived this podcast and i appreciate you coming on board this was our uh i believe our halloween edition this thing will probably come out before halloween so i appreciate you going through a crazy vampire scenario with us uh and coming on the show where can people find out more about you everything you got going on especially the good deeds you do for vets uh, I'm clean and simple on social media. It's all at Kurt Bush. Uh, KurtBush.com is uh, our online store for gear. Uh, with the Halloween episode, I mean, thanks. I mean, I love at the claw and having Monster involved in this. Uh, thank you for all the zombies. Like, it almost made it feel <laughs> like you gave me the right answers with what was coming at me because I tell you, I have the utmost respect for our military, uh, all branches and all the decisions that they have to make out in the field to save their own lives, their, their platoon, their comrades and everybody that's with them. And also the, the decisions to protect our freedoms. Uh, it's, it's huge, man, man. I I'm lucky. I get a roll cage and a helmet and I get to go 200 miles an hour and it doesn't hold a candle to what our military do. So thank you. No, thank thank you, man. Thanks for your goodwill and and uh, supporting the troops the way you do. I know it's all appreciated. I was one of those guys that kind of brushed it off, like you know, yeah, all right, support us, great, support us, don't, because the job was really you know at the forefront, and I had front sight focus at the time. But now that I've been out, guys like you um, making it happen um, for for all the veterans, it, it, I think it it makes a world of difference. So uh, keep up the good deeds. And we uh, we sure appreciate you coming on the show, sharing your racing knowledge, your uh, your fiery, crazy situations. And, uh, of course, going through this scenario with us. We do appreciate it. And thank you. No, no, it's my pleasure. And no, it was a blast, you know, to jump in with you and to go through this process. That was great. And again, uh, there's so much to, to learn about NASCAR. And this helps people see it from a different direction. So I'm happy to to be a brand ambassador for not just Monster Energy, but for NASCAR. Yeah, you are. You're a great. You're a, a great symbol of the community. And like I always say, folks, keep it simple because crisis will complicate the rest. And until next time, be safe out there. Can you survive this podcast? Is a production of Calvary Audio and iHeartMedia, recorded live from a secure location here in Dallas, Texas. Produced by Brandon Morgan, Jeff Apple, and Clint Emerson. Executive produced by Keegan Rosenberger and Dana Brunetti. For Calvary Audio, I'm Clint Emerson. <laughs>